Hi, JJ here with The Art of Value. Welcome. Well, today I'm going to look again at Manish Pabrai, a recent presentation called Circle the Wagons that he did on the occasion of the Berkshire Hathaway Annual Meeting this year at the University of Nebraska. This is the second episode in a row with Manish after not doing one for a while. So this was a really good one. Excellent. It had so much in there. And I'm going to go through some of the key lessons in the Circle the Wagons. And of course, he's talking about Circle the Wagons around your best investments. So what does he mean by circle the wagons? You might have seen it in old Western movies when people were moving west in the US, coming into confrontations with Native Americans. Of course, they were going into territory here where they really shouldn't have been taking land, conquering land. And when they were being attacked, they'd circle the wagons and keep their valuables in the middle or in the wagons. It was a good way to protect their valuables and this is what he's talking about protecting your best investments first of all in giving this presentation he explains that by teaching this way by presenting he's actually learning himself because that's the best way to learn is by teaching and it's part of the reason that i do these videos too is to consolidate what i know to learn things so what can we learn from manisha well what he's really saying in this whole talk is to learning to hold on to your best investments what you have the most confidence on which you think have the longest runway for growth that you can keep for decades. That's really the key concept to keep in mind through this. And he explains about how to do that and examples of other people who have done that, other great investors. He talks about the importance of patience and discipline over the years of investing and not selling your best investments too soon. It's a mistake that he's made on a number of occasions and he says he's trying to help not do that again. I think everybody's kind of made that mistake. Even when something's gone up a lot, thinking, oh, I'll just sell here and then watching it compound for, for a long time after that. So he's trying to rectify that situation that he has had problems with in the past. So he says the investing game is simple but not easy. And I think that's something that he's got from Charlie Munger. He says it's a long-term game. It's hard work over a long period of time and you have to be patient. He says that most investors make too many decisions over their investing lifetime and that is a big reason why they underperform the market. It's better to do a lot of work, analyze companies, find really great companies and stick with those rather than going in and out and making too many decisions. He goes into some great examples which I'll mention during this talk. He talks about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger from Berkshire of course. He talks about Naspers who bought 10 cent and held on to it for a long time from South Africa. He talks about Rakesh Jinjinwala from India who did very well over a lifetime. These are all investors who exemplify what he's talking about. First he talks about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and of course he knows Charlie Munger very well. He says that over the lifetime of their investing they've made over 200 stock investments, they've made over 80 acquisitions of companies, 10 key hires in Berkshire and they said over this lifetime only about a dozen have moved the needle for Berkshire. So this represents about 4%, only 4% of really key decisions that have moved the needle. These are some of the best investors of all time and it's only really 4% of their decisions. So it's okay to be wrong. Everybody makes mistakes and it's okay. Investing is very forgiving for that reason. So some of the decisions might be mediocre and only a few will be really great. And those are the ones that will do well for us over a long time. So in terms of some of the best decisions that they've made, he points out that it's Coke, Geico, Amex, Apple more recently, and hiring a Jeet at Berkshire. Those are the decisions that really have moved the needle. Uh, he mentions about how Buffett said it was a mistake to not sell Coke during the late 1990s when it got egregiously priced. But even then, you know, everybody makes mistakes and it wasn't a huge mistake. It's not a bad mistake not to sell something, just hold on to it. It's done well 
over the long term anyway. By the way, if you're watching on YouTube, I'd really appreciate it if you hit that like button to help with visibility to spread it to more people. Thanks. Next, he mentions the example of NASPAS in South Africa with the CEO, Kuz Becker, who a long time ago bought Tencent, a small company from China at the time, for $32 million worth and has never sold a share. It's ended up being about 99% of NASPAS over time and this not selling over time, not selling a great business, not being tempted to, not selling one share has worked out very well and they still hold it. And Kuz said he didn't want a salary from the start, he just wanted 6% of what was accrued on value over time and that's worked out very well for him, very well for the company. Next he talks about an investor from India, Rakesh Jinjinwala, who died when he was 64 recently with $5.8 billion in net worth. And he is known for buying Titan Industries and holding it for a very long time, compounding, not selling a share. He did do a lot of trading, but in the past, Manish has said that's to keep his mind active, but he really just made most of his money out of this one company, Titan Industries, and holding it. He says that Titan's still going strong, and he just sees no reason why it would stop compounding from here. And so his wife still owns it. It doesn't hasn't sold it, and Manish said that she, she knows just as much, if not more, about it than he did, and she's not. she wouldn't sell. Next, he talks about his British investor friend, Nick Sleep, who shut down their fund in 2014 with about $3 billion that they'd built up. And they only really owned three companies that moved the needle. It was Amazon, Berkshire, and Costco. And when they shut it down, they told their clients just to buy, just buy those stocks and hold on to them for 10 years, and they'd do fine. So again, it's just three stocks, very concentrated, and they did very well out of that. And they saw no reason why that would stop. When they shut it down, they didn't feel like they could run a fund just have just holding these three stocks and having their clients pay for it. So they told their clients just to buy those stocks. Next is the example of famous value investor Ben Graham, who was famous for buying net net stocks buying them very low, very low multiples and waiting until they got to fair value and then selling. That's the kind of traditional way of value investing. But it turns out that his best investment was Geico. It compounded for a long time and it ended up being half of his wealth. Half of his net worth was just from Geico, which was a compounder. He just held on to it and it was never talked about. He never really talked about it that much, but it turns out that he that Ben Graham was a compounding investor by buying it. No doubt it was a good price when he bought it and just kept it and it ended up being half his net worth. So what he's pointing out with all these examples is finding great companies and holding on to them for a very long time is how to become successful and not selling too soon, but also that you can make mistakes. Even if you make mistakes, just those one or two or three businesses that do very well will outstrip all the rest. The first big lesson that he points out is don't cut the flowers and don't water the weeds. That is when you find a great business, hold on to it. Don't cut the flowers, don't sell some, hold on to it even if it goes down or even if it goes up a lot, which is a temptation. Oh, it's gone up a lot, I'll sell. He says just hold on to it even if that's the case. The exception is if it just gets to a really egregious price, maybe arguably like Coke did for Buffett in the 1990s or that we do see from time to time. But even then, great companies can keep on compounding. They go up, they go down, but over time, they will do very well. The next lesson that he has is don't pay fancy prices for great businesses. Everybody's tempted by FOMO, especially when a bubble or their market is exuberant about a particular company. You can think of one uh, big mega cap companies just in the last couple of years right now, in fact. Because of the excitement in AI, NVIDIA has gone way up, so it's very tempting to buy it. Stan Druckenmiller bought it recently with a really good macro call thinking that it would go up. 
up. I made a video about what he said recently uh, in terms of the macro environment. But Pedro says don't buy too high. Terry Smith, another great investor uh, from Britain, says this, don't overpay. Find great businesses, don't overpay, and then do nothing. So Pepper is saying much the same thing. The next lesson he mentions, Chuck Acra's three-legged stool. So the three-legged stool is buying a great business and with great people, great management, with a lot of integrity, which again is what Buffett and Munger look for. And the business has to have a very long runway. And it's compounding capital, return on invested capital is great, and they can do that for a very long time. This is reminiscent of other things. The 100 Baggers book has got that lesson with Chris Mayo. I've made videos about that before. So these three things that Chuck Acra looks for are very important for this three-legged stool. In the Q&A session afterwards, he was asked about this concept of finding great business leaders, the great entrepreneurs, say Jeff Bezos, Steve Jobs, people like that. And he was saying that you cannot really tell ahead of time who those people will be. You can tell after the fact. You can look at the business, and if the business is doing well, that's a good indication but finding these great people, you know, Elon Musk being another one, these great entrepreneurs of our time and times before, you can tell after the fact, but you can tell by looking at the business. You can tell look at by the numbers and how the business is doing. And if there's a leader in it, they might end up being a Jeff Bezos, but you really can't tell at the time. In hindsight, it's easy, of course. Again, he says, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Everybody's going to make mistakes. And he's pointed out the example of Buffett and Munger, some of the greatest investors of all time, made so many mistakes and still did very well. And the other thing is to be patient. Don't expect to get rich quick. It happens over decades. So be patient. Again, in the Q&A, he mentions circle of competence to somebody else where to start and he talks about start with what you know things that you know in your everyday life that's a good place to start because you'll know a lot more about these businesses and you can go from there it's something that peter lynch has talked about although he owned a huge number of businesses kind of a different way of investing but generally he said the same thing no invest in what you know buy what you know they said something particularly interesting here in that for you to give a business a dollar in your everyday life, it's really got something. Things that we buy every day, why are we giving this money to this business? It must have something that we really want. Why is that? And if we want to give money to it, other people will too. So it is a good place to start, I think. And in terms of software, these global businesses, we can see these things right on our smartphone, for instance. The last lesson that he points out is learning from the best, which is, of course, what we're doing by listening to Manish Pabrai here and Warren Buffett and all these other people that he's mentioned, Chuck Acra, we can see their 13F filings when they come out every quarter. We can see what they're buying. I think that's a, that is a good place to start, to look at these companies that these great investors are buying and maybe reverse engineer, say, why are these buying? Not just blindly buying them too, but working out why they might have bought them, why they think they're good, because they can be wrong. They can make mistakes. He said that. They make lots of mistakes too. So if you just buy you can run into the same trap they are, but it's a good place to start. I mean, they're incredibly good investors, so looking at what they've been buying is a good place to start. And Monish has this concept of cloning as well, where he says he hasn't had an original concept in his life. He's borrowed from other people, not necessarily just buying this investments, but what they're doing and how they're doing it. In the comments, I'd like to know what you think about what Manish is saying about how to invest, the best way to invest. Have you got anything to add that he might have missed out? Let me know in the comments or on Twitter at The Art of Value. As I said, this is the second episode in a row about Manish. The one before was about his thoughts on Constellation Software and its founder CEO, Mark Leonard. I think it's a quality company. So go here, I'll put the link on YouTube or in the description if you're listening elsewhere. 
And thanks for listening or watching, and I'll see you next time.